Welcome to the Conversations That Matter podcast. My name is John Harris. I normally do not put out a video on a Saturday night, especially when every other day of the week, uh, just about, I've had a video for you. But, um, you know, a few people have reached out to me and said, John, can you cover this Senate race in Georgia? And I wanted to at least talk a little bit about it, uh, specifically one of the candidates on the Democrat side, Raphael Warnock. And um, it just took me a while to get to it. So I'm, I'm releasing it on a Saturday night because if I release it on Monday, I think um, it's just it's not going <laughs> to that's the day of the election, I believe. So um, at least giving it, you know, a day to um, kind of circulate and for people to listen to it. This is um, this is interesting to me. Uh, th- and I want to do this by playing off an article here. Uh, this is from Yahoo. Someone sent this to me, and I, th- this is what intrigued me. Um, if, if you've read my book, Social Justice Goes to Church, you should immediately be connecting dots uh, when, when you read an article like this. This was uh, Sunday, December 27th, that this was posted by USA Today. And it says, Christianity is on the ballot in the Georgia Senate runoff between Warnock and Loeffler. Now, um, if I were down there, I'm just going to tell you, straight up. I, I understand the the issue with voter fraud, etc. I get that. I understand the anger. Uh, I under, I mean, your governor needs to be recalled. I don't see another way. Uh, if you're in Georgia, uh, your secretary um, of state, I think, I think that's the office, uh, he needs to be recalled if he's not going to um, go after the fraud. I mean, they, they just had a hearing a few days ago that was incredibly eye-opening. I, I watched a little bit of it in a subcommittee that just, it, it, I mean, it, clearly this election was stolen in Georgia. There's just no doubt that the fraud is just, there's like five or six categories of fraud. It's amazing. Um, so I understand the frustration. I understand the frustration of why even vote if this is rigged. But this is still an ongoing issue. And um, in this election, it's going to be important, even if they're kind of rhino-y, uh, it's going to be important not to try to make sure that a and I'm saying real radical, a real radical socialist, uh, socialists do not get into the Senate and change the balance of power in the Senate. Um, I would be voting for for Loeffler, even if I had to hold my nose. I think I'd be voting for Loeffler. Uh, we are in the middle of a contested presidential election. I understand George is very much part of that, but I would go ahead and do it. Encourage your friends to do it. Um, just and knowing that there's going to be a lot of fraud, knowing that there's people trying to fight it. Um, but if you're, you know, if you're going to do it, keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open, because if they uncover this presidential race was fraught with fraud, which it was in Georgia, then that's going to cast a lot of doubt on the Senate race if the Democrats win. Don't let them win uh, because they won fair and square, and the fraud was just the icing on top. You know, make them have to. Uh, prove it in court because this will be litigated as well. I'm sure if it's the same strategy that they're they use for the presidential uh, race. So um, I would go ahead and vote. Keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open. Any fishy business, you take pictures. You record with your cell phone. You um, make sure that you're calling hotlines, etc. If you're down there in Georgia, okay. That's my little pep talk. Now let, let's get into the meat, though. I want to talk about Raphael Warnock, and we're gonna, like I said, we're gonna go off of this. This is interesting. Uh, this is a secular, obviously USA Today uh, is on Yahoo, but it's from USA Today. Uh, Christianity is on the ballot. Christianity is on the ballot. And 
there it, well, let's just read it and I'll, I'll try to explain why this is interesting very short five minute read was dr martin luther king jr a christian sounds like a trick question along the lines of is the pope catholic but it's on the ballot in georgia in the two january 5th runoff elections for the senate particularly in the contest between senator kelly loffler a white conservative businesswoman and her democratic challenger black church pastor raphael warnock Warnock is a Baptist son of Pentecostal preachers. He earned three graduate degrees, including a PhD from Union Theological Seminary in New York. I believe that's where James Cone uh, was teaching. Since 2005, he has been the senior pastor at Atlanta's historic Ebenezer Baptist Church, where King and his father both commanded the pulpit, Martin Luther King Jr. Like them, he preaches a social gospel Christianity that emphasizes not only personal spiritual transformation, but also the sort of concern for the poor and the disinherited that is palpable in the Old Testament prophets and the slave spirituals. Christianity's purpose is not just to save individual souls, he argues. It is to work to improve the lives of the poor and oppressed here and now. Is this Christianity? Now, this is interesting because this is, I'm assuming, a secular reporter who's writing this story. And what he's, uh, what he's getting at is the fractures that are actually right now in conventions like the Southern Baptist Convention and denominations like the PCA and organizations like Crew. This, this is, he, he's uh, finding something that is splitting denominations up. And it's now front and center in this political race. And he's absolutely right about that. The social justice movement in conservative churches is actually serving to play into the hands of people like Raphael Warnock. It's going to uh, get young people, people that are taken in by this, to think that that's Christianity, the social justice, social uh, gospel-driven kind of Christianity. So th this, that's the first part of this that I find fascinating, the fact that this is actually that now being covered in secular um, realms because it's so important. What we've been talking about for two years is now uh, making its way directly into a Senate race. Now, we remember before Barack Obama's pastor, Jeremiah Wright, had uh, very black liberation the theology, um, black liberation theology leanings. And so that was an issue in that election as well. But now we're seeing it again. We're seeing it on steroids. We're seeing this, um, you know, Warnock could actually win this, like in Georgia. Um, and, and, and yes, I understand the cheating and everything, but if, if conservatives don't show up, he may win it fair and square. I mean, it is, that possibility exists, and it, it only exists, I think, because the social justice movement has been pacifying so many Christians who would have normally been political conservatives by giving them a false Christianity, by teaching them liberation theology and the critical race theory, etc. So uh, let's, let's um, I'm going to continue this article, but let me just... He, he mentions Martin Luther King Jr., asked him if, if Martin Luther King Jr. was a Christian first. Let's take a little, uh, uh, let's go down a rabbit hole. <laughs> let's, let's take uh, a, a little break from the article, and let, let me show you some things from MLK. Um, and ask you, do, do you think this is a Christian? He liked Walter Rauschenbusch's social gospel and Gandhi uh, because he exemplified the love of Jesus. Does that sound like someone who's an Orthodox Christian? Walter Rauschenbusch's social gospel. I mean, that's not the true gospel. That is a social gospel. Rauschenbusch is, that is so abundantly clear if you read any of his stuff, that the gospel is about helping people, saving people in the here and now uh, from their political and social um, arrangements that are oppressing them. And Gandhi, I mean, because he exemplified, Gandhi exemplified the love of Jesus, really? The love of Jesus. 
Johnny wasn't even a Christian. Martin Luther King Jr., uh, his paper, a lot of people cite this, The Humanity and Divinity of Jesus at Boston College contained heresy in it, did not believe Jesus was divine. He explicitly argues that. Now, people today say, oh, well, he gave that up later. He returned to the religion of his fathers. There's nothing indicating that he actually um, rejected the view he wrote at Boston College, though. Uh, his pastoral call to set captives free like Jesus uh, did was a physical, not spiritual setting free. So when he said we, got, we need to set the captives free, he said it in the same way those social justice warriors from the 1970s that I talk about in my book, Social Justice Goes to Church, said it the same way you hear about it from today's current crop of mainstream evangelical social justice warriors, setting the captives free. Well, that, that was setting people free from spiritual darkness, not from capitalism. But that's how he used it. On King's 1959 trip uh, to India, he admired the spiritual strength of Indian people and said the bourgeoisie were the same all over. I, I th you know, the Marxist language obviously is coming out there, but he, spiritual strength, really the Indian people had spiritual strength. I mean, was this Christian spiritual strength? How is that? In what sense? He said the rich man went to hell because he was a conscientious objector in the war against poverty in 1967. That's pretty late. 1967, the rich man in Jesus's parable about the rich man and Lazarus, he went to hell because he was a conscientious objector in the war against poverty? No, <laughs> that's not why he went to hell. That's not why uh, he was in judgment because he was a conscientious objector. I mean, this is um, uh, drawing parallels that don't exist in the scripture. In the 1968, spring of 1968, this is, right, this is pretty soon, pretty close before his death, he wanted to end all poverty. It's something you can't do. A Christian who knows Jesus' teaching knows you, you all, poor will always be among you. Uh, King portrayed Jesus as a revolutionary, said Christianity failed to see it had a revolutionary edge. Well, no, it had a reformational edge, not revolutionary. It didn't take the social structures and destroy them. It showed you how to live within them as a Christian. Uh, here is um, uh, 1968, to make the wounded whole. This is right before his death. So this is kind of gives you uh, a sense of what King's theology was right before he died. And I quote, We have the power to make the church that institution that even young people who feel temporarily separated from it can respect. We can even get them to have a new loyalty because they'll know we are on the battle line for them. And they'll come to see that Jesus Christ was not a white man. Christianity is not just a Western religion. We can make the church recapture its authentic ring. We have power to change America and give a kind of new vitality to the religion of Jesus Christ. We have that power? Um, we can get them to have a new loyalty? It's interesting. Well, he follows it up with, Jesus started Operation Breadbasket and the first sit-in movement. And that Jesus, according to King, also had a glow of the divine. Liberal theologians use that usually. That Jesus wasn't divinity. He had a glow of the divine. This is right before his death. He's saying all of this. Uh, this is very similar to what we're hearing from the mainstream social justice movement today as well. Mainstream evangelical social justice movement. So they're trying to give a new vitality to the religion of Jesus Christ. They're trying to change things around. Uh, make the church uh, an institution that's broader. Uh, for people who feel separated from it so they can respect it. Even before they're saved, I guess, they'll respect it. Um, they, you know, th this, is, this is nonsense. Um, and I think, and I don't know why I put it in here. Yeah, I didn't. But King also, uh, on his march, I forget which march it was now, one of his marches, um, he had said, it was with Jews and Catholics, and he said that 
they were they were <laughs> ushering in a third great awakening. That's what he said. They're ushering in a third great awakening. And this was, uh, let's see if I wrote it down somewhere else. I don't know that I actually did. Let me see here. Um, I thought I had, had written this down and uh, give you the exact citation. I like doing that, give you the primary source of where I saw it first. It was his Selma March. There it is. His Selma March was with Catholics and Jews, and he called it the Second Great Awakening. And he called the, uh, yeah, I'm not going to get into some of his other views, but that that alone, how, how can a, an Orthodox Christian say with other people who are not Orthodox Christians, Jewish people, religious Jewish people say, well, this is like, this is uh, a second great awakening. So not third, second great awakening. So this is Martin Luther King Jr. And that's the reason, uh, these are, there's more, but th these are some of the reasons that people say he was not a Christian. Uh, in the orthodox sense of the word. Now, this article asks that question. Is he a Christian in the orthodox sense of the word? And so the answer, as orthodox Christians, we have to say, well, no. Not not in the orthodox sense, no. Uh, he was, you know, using the religion. He had a cultural sense of the religion. But uh, no, uh, not he, he did not believe the essentials, the fundamentals uh, that you would need to be an orthodox Christian. And he certainly uh, used the faith for uh, political, uh, you know, he strapped it to political ideas that came from outside of it. They, they didn't arise from within it. Now, here, here's, this is a secular author again. He says, Republicans define Christians as them. Loeffler and her supporters say no. In an election cycle in which Senate Republicans have insisted the Supreme Court nominees should never be asked about their religious commitments, they argue that their, the religious commitments Reverend Warnock shares with Dr. King are disqualifying. They say that his social gospel is socialism. They say that this man of God is also a radical and an extremist. Now, it's interesting. This, the, the strategy here is to try to tie Reverend Warnock. <laughs> we'll, we'll call him... Uh, Mr. Warnock, in this case, tie him to uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. To tie because Martin Luther King Jr. is so respected, uh, his image has grown and grown and grown that if you can tie him to MLK, then you can uh, get him off, so to speak. He, he's uh, he's okay. He's got a stamp of approval on him. And these Republicans, you know, they're the ones that are playing with definitions. They, who, who gives them the right to, to define Christianity? That's what he's saying. You know, they would say MLK is not a Christian. Well, you know, those who are Orthodox would say that. Critics call King an extremist, too, prompting him to ask in his now iconic letter from a Birmingham jail, was not Jesus an extremist for love? Yes, King wrote, Jesus was an extremist for love, truth and goodness, adding that perhaps the South, the nation, and the world are in dire need of creative extremists. Now, th this is interesting. I mean, during that time, the word extremist was used by the 60s radicals quite a bit. People at the time knew kind of what extremists meant. Jim Wallace called himself an extremist. I mean, they wanted to tear down the system and, and implement something new. It wasn't because they were just after love. And I mean, they might have portrayed it that way sometimes. But look, look at the quote he's taking. It's like, oh, wow, Reverend Warnock, Raphael Warnock, he's for love, just like King was for love. And the Republicans aren't for love. He, he's setting up what, what's called a false dichotomy here. When I was in high school, the most prominent Christians, and I, I should probably add to that addendum here, um, just because you're against the social gospel, you're for orthodoxy, you're against heresy, you're against socialism, the, the, you know, who gives, th this is the response to this, who gives those people 
like Raphael Warnock or like even MLK Jr. Who gives them the right to define what love is? What did Jesus say about love? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments as a demonstration of love. Greater love has no man than this than to lay down his life for his friend. We, we find love in scripture. God is love. What gives them the right to define love? That's the question that's not asked. It's just assumed that love means whatever MLK thought it meant and whatever Raphael Warnock thinks it means. If it's everyone you know, gets an equal share and we redistribute wealth, well, that's love. Well, who gives them that right? That's just assumed, though, in this article. So uh, it continues. When I was in high school, the most prominent Christians in the United States, President uh, Jimmy Carter, shared his social gospel vision, preaching it from his Sunday school schoolroom in rural Georgia all the way to the Oval Office. So, so he's tying Warnock to Jimmy Carter. Then, then came Ronald Reagan and the moral majority and the strategic fusion of conservative republicanism with the Christian right in the late 70s and early 80s. Well, how come Jimmy Carter's not tied with uh, Christian Democrats? Why is that? A, that's not a problem, but apparently it's a problem now. You're going to portray Ronald Reagan as, well, that was strategic. That was a fusion of you know, politics uh, with Christianity. Well, no, well, what was Jimmy Carter then? Was that a fusion of politics with Christianity? Was that strategic? Look at the words that are used. This is propaganda. Uh, wary of this drift toward Christian nationalism, hmm. uh, Democrats went mum, refusing to engage in such promiscuous mixing of church and state. As a result, Republicans claimed and won the right to define who is and who is not a Christian. I mean, this is ridiculous. No, Republicans don't never won that right. They never, and, and it wasn't through that process at all. Um, in fact, we just read from Dr. Martin Luther King how he wanted to change the church, make it appeal to young people, etc. And in so doing, he said, we can change America. Well, was that Christian nationalism? Was Dr. Martin Luther King engaged in Christian nationalism? He wanted to change the country. I mean, Raphael Warnock's running for office. He wants to change the country. Uh, and he wants to do it uh, with somehow biblical principles. He's running as a reverend. I mean, does, is that a problem? Apparently not. Apparently not. But as soon as, you know, someone like uh, a Jerry Falwell from years and years ago, they still pick on him because uh, they don't have a lot of, I mean, they could pick on Franklin Graham, I guess, or try to, but, you know, that was wrong. That was, that was after power. That was a fusion of politics and Christianity. The question in all this is what ethics actually are derived from scripture? What ethics are um, in keeping with Christian tradition, orthodox uh, Christian tradition throughout the centuries passed down? Um, we want to compare everything to scripture and we want to look at where has scripture been applied. That's the tradition part in past civilizations and in our civilization up to the current time. How have these things been thought of? Is this consistent? And as soon as you find inconsistency, then you can say, well, that's not really, that's not traditional Christianity. It's not Orthodox Christianity. It doesn't comport with what the Bible teaches on these subjects. That's not the question any of these guys ask. It's not the question that gets asked on the left in evangelical Christianity. It's not the question that gets asked by these mainstream reporters who have, they, the reality is it's projection because they, the only reason an article like this is written is to try to dissuade Republicans from voting for this guy, uh, I'm sorry, for voting for, for Loeffler um, or, or to support Warnock, to inspire them to support him because um, the tactics used against him are unfair or something like that. It, it's, it's providing cover for him. So it's a political purpose. There's no doubt. Uh, and it's, and hey, they're writing about faith. So, so why is that not? I mean, if you apply the standard of the article and the things, the narrative that is being spun in the Christian social justice circles, apply their standard to themselves, they fail to meet it. They would have to cancel themselves. 
but they'll never do that. They only, it only goes in one direction. They have the exclusive right to define what Christianity means for them. The Bible doesn't have that right. You don't have that right uh, to apply what the Bible says. Um, so, so the right is given to them. As a post, that's a postmodern argument. Uh, and um, you should, ought to be ashamed for even holding up a standard, even though they're holding up a standard to you. Do you see this? Do you see the kind of, um, the, how, how weaselly this is? How <laughs> just, just backhanded and disingenuous and um, sneaky and cunning? Because that's exactly what it is. All right, let's keep going here. Um, uh, in recent years, Obama, Hillary Clinton challenged their, that power, speaking regularly uh, at their Christian, uh, of their Christian faith, linking their public policies to Bible stories. And we pointed out before that that is just not the way to do it, uh, to link those things to Bible stories in the way Barack Obama would often do it, applying personal stories, uh, you know, like uh, the Sermon on the Mount or something to political um, policy. Uh, that's, that's taking things out of context. Um, anyway, uh, but they were unable to stop Republicans from continuing, continuing to restrict the use of the term Christian to people like themselves. No, Republicans just most of them knew that they were misapplying the scripture. That's what was happening there. More than 100 Georgia-based black church leaders pushed back this month, asserting their own right to define the beliefs and values of the Christian tradition. They issued a public letter calling on Loeffler to withdraw her false attack on Reverend Warnock's social justice, theological, and faith traditions, arguing that his vision of fairness and equal justice under the law for marginalized people of all races was shared by biblical prophets, Dr. King and Jesus Christ. Biblical prophet. Wait, hold on. Biblical prophets, Dr. King. Dr. King is not a biblical prophet. Let's check this out, though. Uh, I clicked on the link. Church leaders tell Loeffler to back off Warnock's religious views. I'm not sure who all these leaders are. I was just curious if there was anyone we would recognize in this. I hadn't clicked on it before. It doesn't look like this is a very organized effort. Um, yeah, they're just going after her, saying that she's trying to tie her to, to white supremacist stuff. And I mean, this is, looks like it's just a hit piece on Kelly Loeffler. Uh, I was interested, though, to see if there were people that were signed this. This is a tweet here in the article. Um, Warnock said on, this is a December 20th, uh, I guess this all went down, or he said it on the 19th. My faith is the foundation upon which I built my life. It guides my service to my community and country. Loeffler's attacks on our faith, on our faith are not just disappointing, they are hurtful to black churches across Georgia. And Loeffler responded, no one attacked the black church. We simply exposed your record in your words. Instead of playing the victim, start answering simple questions about what you've said and who you've associated yourself with. If you can't, you shouldn't be running for U.S. Senate. And some people are very upset because they think Loeffler, I guess, there was a photo where she's uh, shown alongside someone who was, um, I guess, used to be in the Klan. And... I, I have not confirmed any of that. I don't know. But the picture, uh, look. I guess it was at like a campaign rally or something. It was. I mean, you, you have tons of people that take pictures with you if you're a politician um, at different events. You don't always even know who they are. And uh, the, the, the difference here, I think, is that with Warnock, and I'm about to show you some things, it's not just like he took a picture at an event with someone he didn't know. Like he actually was associating um, in an endorsing kind of way with people over the period, sometimes of years, uh, who are radical. Um, so let's, let's back out of that. Let's, let's continue reading this. Um, 
So yeah, Dr. King is not a biblical prophet. Jesus Christ uh, is a prophet. He's more than that, but he, he is that. Um, continuing, when the moral majority and other white evangelical groups cast their lot with Reagan and other conservative Republicans, they had no way of knowing what would come of that gamble. Gamble. Uh, this way this guy's writing, it wasn't a gamble necessarily. It was, they, they didn't have anywhere else to go. And Reagan had um, in, endorsed them essentially. Uh, had I mean, he was uh, a practicing Christian, and uh, he was not Jimmy Carter. <laughs> he actually had some principles that they agreed with. So it was it was an alliance, like anyone who would alliance with anyone else for a common goal or purpose. It wasn't a gamble. Uh, we know that young Christians are leaving the church in droves and that the fastest growing religious demographic in the country is none of the above. One reason for this sudden shift is that Americans, especially young Americans, increasingly associate Christianity with bigotry and therefore don't want to have anything to do with it. Um, th I think there's, you know, there's some truth to people associate this, but they also associate Mer America with bigotry. They associate anyone over uh, 50 with being complicit in bigotry because they lived at a time when there was more of it and they didn't stand up. And I mean, they associate, it's not just Christianity. This is tearing down everything. I know that uh, control of the Senate is at stake in the Georgia runoffs and uh, with it future COVID-19 stimulus packages and Supreme Court nominations, but the future of American Christianity is on the ballot as well. Is President Donald Trump a model Christian because he has appointed anti-abortion judges? And the answer is no, by the way. And I don't know of anyone in, I mean, that you could probably find someone somewhere, but most people do not believe that. I don't know of anyone who does that. Donald Trump is a model Christian. I've never even said, heard anyone say that in the mainstream conservative circles. Um, they just recognize that he's pushing policies that Christians should agree with. Um, or is he a horrible Christian because he almost never goes to church and is a habitual violator of the Ten Commandments? Is President-elect Joe Biden a model Christian because he attends a Catholic mass regularly and cares about the least of these? I mean, look how this is phrased. This, comp this is so skewed. I mean, look, Biden uh, is also very pro-abortion. I mean, why didn't you put that in there? Uh, or is he a horrible Christian? Oh, okay, here it is. Okay, if I, they did put that in there. Or is he a horrible Christian because he does not want to overturn Roe v. Wade? Th these are the wrong questions. These are just the wrong questions. Um, the question shouldn't be, is someone personally... Uh, I mean, I'm not saying this isn't relevant in any way, but th this isn't the main question, whether they are, whether someone is a Christian or not uh, in their personal life, uh, whether they have that faith and they practice that faith uh, publicly, that's not the main question. The main question is what policies uh, do they uh, believe in and how do they treat the Constitution? What will they what direction will they take our country in? And what kinds of um, issues are they going to, uh, the issues that we know we're going to be facing, where are they going to come down on those? And will it parallel what Christians believe uh, or will it parallel what pagans believe? I mean, that's really the, the better question here. Um, I'm not saying it's not, it is relevant what someone uh, believes uh, in personally and what they practice publicly as far as their faith is concerned. But it's, it's not the main question, and this wants to make it the main question. It wants to uh, basically say that, well, Warnock is, is a pious man, so why is he not a Christian? Um, and it gets away from this idea that um, it gets away from the principles of Christianity and the ethics of Christianity. They're never brought up, and it's all about personalities. It's just, this is all, I mean, it's irrelevant. So, the last paragraph, as Georgians go to the polls, they will answer these questions plus one more. Are Americans broad-minded enough to recognize that Reverend King and Reverend Warnock as Christians? Uh, this is a strange question to ask, but these are strange times. I hope Georgia uh, voters opt to say amen. Now, 
so this is saying that they're the Christians, that this is the Christian choice is to vote for Warnock is uh, because that's a vote for MLK. And it's ridiculous. Um, number one, Warnock is more radical than MLK, or at least he's he has shown uh, things that, I'm going to show you that in a minute, some things that would suggest that he's more radical. But even if he's not, King is not an Orthodox Christian. And what King advocated was not always good. And some of it was. I mean, look, the I have a dream speech I love. I mean, a lot of conservatives love that speech. A lot of um, biblical people love that speech because it actually advocates something that seems like the social justice movement wants to ignore. But King as a whole, if you look at the whole of the man uh, and what he supported, what he tried to do, what he thought of Christianity, uh, his personal life included in that, which isn't brought up here. Uh, I mean, his sexual life, et cetera. Uh, no, not not a Christian, <laughs> not, not a Christian in the Orthodox sense at all, and certainly not advocating for things that are good for uh, Christianity in society or good for society in general. So let's um, go to this. I just want to play for you. Here, here's a few things. Uh, this is on ra RadicalRaphael.com. And here's some things. These are, I think this is probably the Loeffler campaign that's paying for this or some political action committee. I'm Kelly Leffler. I approve this message. Nobody can serve God and the military. Raphael Warnock attacks our military. Police power, the kind of gangster and thug mentality. Warnock attacks our police. Somebody's got to open up the jails. Raphael Warnock is dangerous. No wonder he defended this. Not God bless America. God America. Raphael Warnock. The radicals, radical. All right, and that's very um, short, obviously, and uh, doesn't give you a lot of time. But that's what they need is that little hook to get people to think. Wait a minute, he wanted to defund the police. Um, so love anti-American values. Uh, you can click on this. You know, here's um, I guess things he said about Fidel Castro. Um, let's see here. He was a he was a pastor at a church in New York in Harlem. Uh, in which they hosted Cuban dictator Fidel Castro for the event, and people were chanting Fidel. I, I actually saw a video of this. It's pretty disgusting. Um, and uh, the head pastor there was very uh, pr promoting of Fidel Castro. Um, it was called by the my by the Herald, Miami Herald, a love fest for uh, for Castro. Um, and Warnock avoided answering questions about it, uh, whether he was at the speech or not. So, so they're, th what they're trying to do is they're trying to show that he's been in some very radical circles and he's not answering clear questions about these things. Um, he has, uh, so defund the police, anti-law enforcement things, uh, defending cop killers. He wants to empty the prisons. Uh, drugs, I guess, aren't a big deal. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of sources here. And I'm sure this isn't even the... Uh, a lot of it. I'm sure if we did a deep dive, we'd find all sorts of theological things that are problematic. He defended Jeremiah Wright's sermon, the one, the clip you just saw from that. I, I know I've heard about that. Um, he has, by the way, and this I wanted to uh, to share this with you. This is, let's see. So from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, Warnock, wife involved in dispute. And ba basically what this comes down to is there's accusations of abuse from Warnock, domestic abuse. And the reason this is intriguing to me is because the Me Too movement was so concerned with domestic abuse that uh, this is how they torpedoed people like Herman Cain in the past and um, 
and and you know judges uh, Trump has brought for confirmation and I mean like anyone who uh, doesn't have dirt on them uh, they'll put dirt on them Roy Moore you know they did that to him uh, Kavanaugh so the the Me Too movement is all over that stuff but uh, when it comes to Warnock not a peep not a peep you can see the double standard going on here and it's very interesting I don't even see people like uh, I mean, you could draw a parallel between Warnock and MLK on that if you want. I mean, if you really wanted to write an article, a hit piece, you could probably do that. And I don't know if these claims are substantiated or not, but but I'm just saying it didn't matter before. Uh, when the Rachel Den Hollanders of the world and the Beth Moores and the Karen Swallow Priors, et cetera, are so angry about Paige Patterson or something like that. Uh, you know, Paige Patterson is being, his commentary on a book is being sold at Lifeway, yet they're also selling letters from Birmingham jail by someone who is confirmed to have uh, been, um, at the very least, uh, involved in activity that Christians would disagree with, and at worst, to be making very light of and endorsing on some level rape. And, I mean, this is disgusting stuff. And <laughs> that passes, though, today, because he's on the right side politically. Do you see how this works? Uh, and, and none of that crowd, that crowd's not saying a thing about Warnock right now. And if he was a conservative, I guarantee they'd be going after him. I guarantee it. So the, the double standard is incredible. So if I was in Georgia, I told you what I'd do. I wouldn't vote for Warnock. I would vote for Loeffler. Uh, there's, I mean, I wish Loeffler would be more aggressive in saying she's going to fight for election integrity. She's sort of given it some lip service, but we don't know what's going to happen on the 6th if she shows up there and what she's going to do. But, uh, it's, it's very uh, important for us, I think, uh, right now, as it stands, um, to make sure that the balance of power doesn't switch. Because once that switches, it's, I mean, it's free fall if Biden gets in. You can, if you're a Christian, and this is one of the things that the social justice warriors on the left in Christianity, I don't understand them. Uh, I think they know this. I don't think they're that dumb. Uh, if this all goes to the Democrats, um, they will kick the useful idiots in Christianity to the curb faster than, than, than anything you've ever seen. Uh, and they will immediately go aggressively anti-Christian. The hate crimes legislation uh, will come in full force. Um, if you remember the last uh, year of Obama's presidency before Trump was elected, they were pushing for transgender uh, people in bathrooms in uh, elementary schools. And the DOJ was getting involved in this kind of thing. I mean, do, do are our memories that short? Little Sisters of the Poor has to pay for abortifacients. Uh, this is not ancient history, but that's that's what we have to expect. And that's really is what's on the line in a place like Georgia. And whether this guy says he's a Christian or not, uh, he is um, backing all the socialist policies, all the anti-Christian policies just about. He's pro-abortion. Uh, he's, I mean, um, I haven't looked into what his views are on sexual, um, uh, per perversions, etc. but I mean, I, I haven't seen anything that would suggest that he's conservative on those issues. Uh, this is a man that, uh, cannot be trusted. He's, he's as radical as they come and he's the kind of radical we're getting used to now in supposedly conservative evangelical circles. This is this, you're looking at what your churches are becoming. You're, thanks to people like David Platt and Ed Stetzer and uh, Al Mohler, uh, who's platformed some people that have this same kind of thinking to a lesser extent, but won't take responsibility for it, won't admit that he's hired people like Jarvis Williams. Uh, this is the kind of thing that people like Walter Strickland um, 
and and uh, other professors at Southeastern. This is this is the path they're going down, and this is where it leads, guys. And, I, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. It's not them as much as it is the students under them. I know this. I know this uh, from. I, I mean, I have have had experience. I've been to seminary. I've seen what happens. The students hear liberation theology from someone who's maybe not quite as radical as a Warnock, and they're going to go out and they're going to take it to the logical conclusion. And that's what we're dealing with. We're playing with fire right now. And, and that fire is burning down uh, the seminaries, etc. So uh, expect a lot more of this in the future. Expect a lot more of this. Um, we need to hold the line. We need to say that that's not Christianity. Sorry, Christianity believes in law and order. Uh, the, the civil magistrate has a responsibility even to use the sword. That is part of Christianity. Uh, that not all hierarchies are evil in and of themselves. And Christianity wasn't started to create a revolution. Uh, that communism's wrong, Fidel Castro's wrong, that's an evil system. Um, I mean, we, we can go point by point and say these are not Christian things, and I don't care what you call yourself, but that doesn't mean you're a Christian. And we need to be prepared to do that. And so if you're in Georgia, I would encourage you, uh, don't sit this one out, guys. Um, keep your eyes open, though, when you go to the polls. And, uh, and uh, for those who uh, are planning on going to D.C. on the 6th, I will be there. I will be there. And... Um, and, I, and, and by the way, uh, those who want to shine a big spotlight on this issue of social justice and what it's doing, especially in Christianity, I, I am uh, helping to fund a documentary on this very subject. The link is in the info section uh, on Nini's Deli and what happened there. You can go watch the episode I did with Juan Riesco uh, about this. Uh, it's an incredible story. We need to start exposing this stuff and showing the true light of the gospel and how it contrasts to the social justice gospel nonsense. Well, God bless you. I hope you have a, a, I hope your New Year's been great so far. We're only, uh, what, a day in. So hopefully it's been good. And um, I hope the rest of it goes well uh, as well. And I'll see you on the 6th in Washington, D.C. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.